0: the end of the year, I'm super excited to bring you the Homebrew Hack Show. Today, Evan Sherlock and I are going to share all of your cool tips and tricks that you submitted to us on how you make your brew day easier. This is also the last show of 2019, and this is the first year we've done Homebrew Hacks. So stick around. Join us today on Homebrewing DIY. Drop a magnetic scrubber into your carboy and be able to scrub away all of the grime in that hard-to-clean cruising. They are no match for Scrubber Duckies and you can get yours today at scrubberduckies.com. Once again, head over to scrubberduckies.com. Have you ever wanted to make a podcast? Do you have a subject you want to discuss with listeners? Do you even know where to start? Well, if you want to make a podcast and you want to get started now, I could not recommend Anchor enough. Anchor is the easiest way to make a podcast. Anchor gives you everything you need in one place for free, which you can use right from your phone or computer. Creation tools allow you to record and edit your podcast, so it sounds great. They'll distribute your podcast for you, So it can be heard everywhere, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and many more. And you can easily make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. Hey, look, I shopped around for a place to post my podcast and Anchor was the easiest, most streamlined experience you could ask for. So if you're looking for a place for your new podcast, download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Once again, Download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. And welcome back to Homebrewing DIY, the show that takes on the do-it-yourself aspect of homebrewing. Gadgets, contraptions, and parts, this podcast covers it all. On today's show, this is our first annual Homebrew Hack Show, where I'm joined by Evan Sherlock, President of the Old Town Mash Paddlers. Today, we're going to go through all of your homebrew hacks, and we got hacks via email, social media, and many other sources, and we're really excited to share some of the really great ones that you sent in to us. But first, I want to wish you all a great 2020, and may you brew something truly amazing this year. Now... I want to thank our supporters on Patreon. Our monthly supporters keep this show coming to you every week. And remember, right now, our first 20 supporters at the $1 level get access to our ad-free RSS feed, early releases of episodes, and a Homebrewing DIY logo sticker. Sign up to be a patron at patreon.com forward slash homebrewingdiy. You can also support us by giving the show a review on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, and Podchaser.com. Your five-star review will help others find us. The last way to support the show is to head over to our website, homebrewingdiy.beer, and use our support banner for Adventures in Homebrewing or Brewfather. When you buy from them, your prices never change, but they support the show because they know that we sent you. Well, that's it. I'm trying to keep things kind of small and short today. So let's just get into the Homebrew Hack Show with Evan Sherlock today on Homebrewing DIY. I'd like to welcome Evan Sherlock to the Homebrewing DIY studio. We now have a studio, Evan.
1: Beautiful. I love it here.
0: Awesome. Well, welcome to the studio. This is my first ever actual live show where I've had somebody in the same room as me.
1: It's actual reality.
0: It's it's reality. <laughs> you're, you're not on a Skype call with me.
1: That's, this is a cool thing.
0: It is a cool thing. Well, well, welcome to the the studio. Well, I have to say, I'm super excited to do the Homebrew Hack Show, which is the last show of the
1: year. Awesome. Yeah, I'm glad to be a part of this. Thanks for having me out. Uh,
0: thanks for coming. And so, just if, if, if you don't know what this show is, I don't know how you couldn't unless you actually have just started listening to... Your first episode is this show. We've been talking about it and building up to this for the last month or so. And basically, what this show is, is you submitted to us your homebrew hacks or different ways to make your brew day easier. And Evan and I are going to go through and read them all. Uh, We've actually got us a couple of beers here. We're both drinking Sierra Nevada Celebrations because it is the holidays. It is. And uh, we're going to sit here, have a beer. We're going to then go through the different hacks that you've all submitted. And then from there, we're going to take five of them that we think are the coolest hacks that we've never heard of before or something that we've really just were like wowed by. And we're going to send you a homebrewing DIY sticker. So, Excellent. Awesome. So let's uh, let's get started on the first one. I guess I'll start. The first one that was submitted to me was from Jeff. Bleff Jeff, he was an Instagram user, and Jeff actually wrote, If you don't have a strainer for sparging, you can use the lid of a Tupperware box or something else thin and flat and let it float on the mash and let the sparge water run over it. This should reduce the oxygen intake. So let's let's kind of talk through that, right? So if you were, you know, you've you've got your mash and it's sitting there, you're all grain. And he's kind of like saying, hey, if you need to spread the water over the top of it to kind of rinse your grains, right? Sure. You're going to then take your water, put it through like a Tupperware lid with some holes in it, and try to spread that water so you're not just pouring it and making a funnel right down the middle.
1: Right. I've, I've also heard of guys using like, uh, like a colander. Yeah. Similar type process where it's going to leak out everywhere. And I've seen, I'm sure we've all seen plenty of other brew system designs. Where they they find ways to not channel the water when you're, uh, either recirculating or just mashing out, just to uh, just to avoid yeah making those channels and, and rinsing all the good sugars out, so you end up with all the you know the goodness exactly in your wort.
0: Yeah, and, and and me personally, I don't rinse my grain. I squeeze my bag, so which you know there's a whole debate on that, but
1: you know sure to squeeze or not to squeeze. Yeah, <laughs> and
0: I squeeze the hell out of my bag. <laughs> So, and I actually have factored the squeezing into my brewing software. So it actually still is dialed in. I know what the amounts are going to be. It's kind of cool. Nice. Yeah. So, um, let's see, uh, let's go with the next one for you. I think sub Mike
1: 77. Yeah. Mike says homebrew hack. I have two during hop harvest use an immersion blender inside your hop spider during the boil to break apart the hop cones to get the yumminess inside. I noticed a giant difference in aroma and flavor after doing that. And so also I'll pause at this one. I think this is genius. This is this is one of my faves that I, I ran across. I've never thought of this. I do not use a hop spider. And honestly, I, I'm not a big fan of using whole hops that often. I find that they, they cause too many problems for me in my calculations as far as the amount of water that they take out. Yeah. And that's just not something I've set up in my calculations for when I do brews. Um, but yeah, there's there's a lot of times, and we do have uh, people in the club that that grow their own hops. I grow my own hops. I usually only end up, only end up with one batch a year. I do of my my hops. Um, but this is a cool the cool hack in the idea that um, your utilization should go way up uh, just by pulverizing those cones. Yeah, and, and the and- immersion blender is just kind of a cool like yeah, you can do it right there in the kettle while you're while you're brewing. And it's just. I, I like I like this 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 tip. It's a good tip.
0: Yeah, it feels really simple and it feels like something that i ha- I have a little hand blender laying around. I use it to make salad dressing, right? Um, I've, I, that's actually probably its number one use in my house. but but the idea is that uh, it, it's definitely the kind of hack where it's like, hey, this is laying around the house. You could easily take this small tool, get it in there, and get those whole cone hops, especially if you're fresh hopping, right? Because fresh hops that aren't dried, are going to be harder to break up. They're sticky. They're you know. Whereas like if you've dried out your hops, you're going to have an easier time getting them to break up. I think you sure. could you could just crush them with brittle, your fingers. Yeah, yeah, real crush brittle them in
1: the bag before you put them in.
0: Exactly. But this way, you've got you're doing a wet hopped beer. You're you're putting those fresh hops right into that that spider, and then you just pulverize them down to nothing, and really get a lot of that resin right straight into your uh, right.
1: Well, you're going to have a lot of stuff drop out into the tube. Exactly. At the end too, which is kind of nice. You're just that utilization's going up, and I think that's what a lot of people are looking for. Because you talk to a lot of people that use whole hops, and and at times they'll, they'll talk about how it's just it's more unpredictable compared to pelletized hops.
0: Exactly. Uh, Mike's also got another one, which is cut a one inch piece of tubing to connect a bottle wand to your bottling bucket. Then put the bucket on the counter uh, above the dishwasher, which is exactly what I do when I bottle. And uh, have the door open so that you don't make messes. It just goes right on the door and you shut the door and mess is cleaned up. But what he's talking about here specifically is in doing so, you lift the bottles to the wand to fill. The benefits is uh, you get to sit in a chair and then you don't knock bottles over while you're doing it. And uh, the excess tubing link, you know, that you're... So, for example, what the, most, the way most people take bottling is is they have a tube and they have a bottling wand on the end of that tube, and the, bo- the bottles are all sitting on the floor, and you go from bottle to bottle to bottle. What he's talking about doing here is you just take a little one-inch piece of tubing, and then from that one-inch piece of tubing, you, you bring the bottles up to the wand fill and then pull down, and, and it's it's off the ground, right? Right, and so, suspended by its own weight. Exactly. And, uh, and then if it drips, it just gets caught on the dishwasher door. This is a really clean and easy way of doing it. And actually, I will say... I'm on Instagram and I do follow Mike and I have actually seen, um, I'm sorry about the computer noise there, um, but I have actually seen on Mike's Instagram him bottling this way and it's pretty cool. So uh, definitely something I would recommend for keeping things clean. He does have a bonus on this which is, uh, don't be afraid to experiment with bottling solutions. I've used hot coffee, sugar from for, for a coffee porter, um, honey for a honey nut brown ale, etc you just throw them right in the bottle as you're bottling and just kind of add some extra flavor to it. So those are also some really good tips.
1: Right. So the next tip here, um, Oh, that one's not a tip. Uh, where are we at here? Instagram user beerology, Olivia. Yep. By the way, my homebrew hack would be to ferment inside my keg. So there's less transferring and less room for sanitization error.
0: Yeah. I've, I've got to admit that's something I've always wanted to do about, uh, fermenting in a keg um uh, you know easy to clean right we're already cleaning kegs anyway and uh you i i don't know about all the homebrewers out there but i've got some extra kegs you have extra kegs? i have,
1: I'd certainly have i have more kegs than i could probably ever fill
0: exactly i i have three taps and like seven kegs right
1: uh, i think i've got about eight or nine kegs yeah and i usually only have eh, two beers on tap <laughs>
0: yeah exactly so you have if if you've homebrewed for any amount of time, you just acquire kegs. It's kind of a thing. You'll find a good deal. You'll buy one just because it's a good sure. deal. And uh, But the the idea is that uh, fermenting in a keg is one of the reasons that I'm intrigued by this, is that you get to ferment in stainless steel, which is... Which is
1: and this is probably the cheapest way to ferment in stainless steel, honestly. Honestly. Totally. Because <laughs> the rest of those fermenters, the stainless fermenters, are... are... Expensive. Insanely expensive.
0: Yeah. The one thing with uh, fermenting in a keg and uh, kind of some tips to that would be the dip tube. Um, it does go all the way to the bottom. And so when you're trying to uh, transfer beer out of it or or basically the dip tube... Um, you're going to transfer the beer out through that dip tube. You don't want to suck up all of, the, all of the, the yeast cake, right? So what I've seen people do is actually take their dip tube and they just take an inch off of it, right? Sure. And so it's not sitting all the way on the bo- bottom. You only use that dip tube for when you're fermenting in your kegs. And so the idea is that then when you're sucking the beer off of it to transfer to another keg so it's not sitting on the yeast, you've given it that room. And if you were using five-gallon kegs, they're full at five gallons, And so you still do have to have a little bit of headroom for that Cruisin. And so therefore, um, you're probably looking more like a four-gallon batch versus a five-gallon batch. But that's just some adjustment. And to be honest, it's a one-gallon of beer. Um, It's it's not a lot to give up.
1: No. And honestly, you could go into two vessels just as easy.
0: Totally. You could totally do, uh, if you've got some extra kegs, you could do uh, 2.5 gallons in each one and have plenty of headspace. Sure. Yeah. Um, so we've got Instagram user Agenda Brewing. Um, this guy's super cool. He's like, "Hey there, love the podcast. My name's Charles Ellis. Um, I call it Alfred." And he's actually sent some pictures, and I'll put some pictures on this. And it's his brew day valet. Um, it's pretty cool. It's basically a cart that he's built with uh, uh, wheels and uh, the 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 tool board you would use in your garage, right? The the pegboard. And he's turned it into like a, a, what's the word I would use? Like an A-frame like you would use for like a sign on the side of a street and you okay. have over your shoulders. Sure. It's kind of in that shape, but on this wheeled cart. And on it, he has all of the things he's going to need through his brew day and he can wheel it around with him throughout that brew day and everything stays organized and where it needs to go. And he's got all kinds of stuff on here he's, he's got um he, he's built the top part of it from a dish rack cart um, from a restaurant you roll it around and then he's got a built-in light and sound system with its own ipad to like control the music so he's got it to control his jams and then on top of that um, I'm, I'm looking at pictures of it and like i said head to the website and look in the show notes there will be pictures of this there um but it's got you know all the tools that he's going to need for his brew day right at hand. He's not having to search for anything and it's super organized. I I love this brew day valet and it's, it's, it's a really, really cool hack.
1: I like it. It's yeah. And especially if it works for you and you can stay organized that way, that's a beautiful thing.
0: Hey, organization cuts off time. Yep. And so it's, it's kind of like if you're spending 10 or 15 minutes looking for a part in a tub full of stuff that's not organized or it's just right there on your brew day valet, you're ready to roll. Right, like, so
1: I, I have my folders can with my thermometers and my refractometer. Everything's in there that I need the the, the critical things. You know, exactly. You gotta have those.
0: And and as long as it's organized, it cuts down. For me, it cuts down on time, which is obviously. I love you know my brew day is is still hours long, but if I can shave off ten or fifteen minutes, it's just you know more time I get back. That's right. Um,
1: Brent Hole from Facebook. Uses a uh, a portable instant hot water heater. It's not um it's not brewing, but ma- it makes the uh, brewing part easier. Is the cleaning? Uh, it's hooked up to an outdoor sink and hose with a spray nozzle. And anybody that's brewed for any length of time knows that the cleaning is is pretty much all you're doing, and then in between the cleaning, you're brewing.
0: Yeah, I, I think that uh, actually whenever I have a friend who says uh, I want to get into homebrewing, I'm like, how much do you like to do dishes? <laughs> <laughs> That's the first question you ask. Because um, cleaning is so important. Uh, a couple things here. This uh, this portable hot water heater, and and we have a photo of it. Once again, we'll add this to the show notes. Um it's really cool in the fact that it has a, it's propane-driven. It's a propane-driven hot water heater. And so it's, it's not something that he has to have in his house. He could you know, basically pull it out onto the back porch and still have hot water if he needed to. Um, and then from there, he uses the portable sink to run the hot water through it. But the key here is the spray nozzle. Having oh. a spray nozzle is such a big deal when you're cleaning and you're trying to clean things outside. Uh, it's just a big deal.
1: Yeah, I like that he's even got it on a dolly there, and it looks just like one of those on-demand hot water heaters you could probably get, you know, at a big box store. Exactly. But it- yeah, it yeah, it, real real smart. I mean, there's and there's nothing wrong with you know having hot extra hot water around. Exactly. for your brew day.
0: Um, I have Eric Z Riker from uh, Facebook as well. He uh he's when the ground t- water temperature is high in the summer, I use my super chiller from i fill both with ice i which he gets free from church and super cold water and push through my immersion chiller and it makes quick chilling to pitch temps. And basically what this is is it's a bucket filled with ice and uh and a and a pump and he's circulating the water through his immersion chiller back into that bucket and back onto the ice. Um, this is something that you see a lot of problems with in places in the south, California. Texas, Australia, uh, Australia, you have no water. Uh, Yeah. True. If you're trying to save on water, right. Right. Uh, Specifically, this was a big deal in California a couple years ago when they were having those huge droughts, people not wanting to waste the water. Um, But it's not just the wasting of water. If your groundwater temperature is above 70, you're never going to get below 70 to pitch your beer. right? And so it adding ice to a bucket of water can do that. A couple, I have also some, some, add on tricks to that um one trick is if you're if your water to save on ice if your groundwater is let's say 75 degrees and you want to pitch it 68 degrees um use the groundwater to get you down to about 100 that last 100s the, the longest it's going to take from like it's actually from about 110 down to that pitching temperature or your groundwater temperature and once it starts to slow down then add the ice you're not, you don't want to add ice to boiling hot water. You're just going to blow through ice a lot faster. Interesting. And so, you know, add the ice later as you you, know, as you get a cooler temperature and it's going to let your ice last a little bit longer. So that would be a, a kind of a trick on the same thing.
1: Nice. All right, let's see. We got Mark uh, Papai, an insulated addition to a mini fridge or a fermentation chamber. I use a urine catheter to push beer from a plastic fermenter into the keg. With co2 used it to fill from fermentation now i just use my tank yeah so i'm not sure i totally even understand what I'm i I, t- right. I totally get what
0: he's doing this is a cold site oxidation thing so this is actually two people um this is uh, mark papai um and basically what mark is doing is uh he's in he he took an addition to his mini fridge like, which is similar to my fermentation chamber and added like a, an additional box to the front of it, rip the door off. Right. And then from there uh made it so he could take a mini fridge and turn it in to hold an entire fermenter. Then we have uh, um, another, this one with the urine catheter. And what it does is a urine catheter is a, basically a bag Right? Because sure. your your urine is going to a bag. I know this is a very weird thing to be used. <laughs> so a couple of things that are cool with it is the it's, A, going to be sterile out of the bag because you have to buy them. It's medical equipment. It's going to come sterile. You're going to open it up. And what he's doing is actually adding it to his fermentation and filling the bag full of CO2. And uh... then when he goes to um, cold crash it and you get the suck back, It's sucking the CO2 back in from the back. Yeah. So it's a sterile environment. environment. I've I've actually heard of this hack a few times. Um, I know that I've heard a couple, I've actually heard another podcast where they've talked about it. And so I'm actually familiar with this hack. Um, It is actually a very good hack for uh, reducing cold side oxidation and still being able to cold crash. A lot of people that don't want to do cold side oxidation um, and want to limit it actually to have stopped cold crashing so that you don't get sucked back through your airlock or, uh, you know, fill up your half of your, uh, your fermenter with star sand, because as the tip, the right. differential sucks sure. in there and, and you don't know how much air it sucks in. Sure. So that's kind of where that comes from. Uh, Joe Null, uh, keep a spray bottle of water for the hot, hot break, no stirring, no turning down the heat. Just spray the break with the water and the foam drops. Also works uh, with rinsed in the inside of the kettle so that the foam hits and usually dries and burns on. Also, if you, like me, just throw your hops straight in there. I don't use a hop spider or anything. I just actually just throw them right in my boiling wort. Um, that spray bottle would also take, you know, you'd be able to kind of wash the hops off the side. as the Yeah, hop they always end goes.
1: up getting stuck around there.
0: Yeah, they get stuck around the side. Um, so kind of cool. I read this hack. And actually did it on my last brew day. Worked like a charm.
1: It's I've used it for years. It's And until recently when I started using the anti-foaming agents, which I'm a huge fan of just because I can boil so much harder.
0: Yeah. So, the like, uh, are you using... Uh, what, the,
1: what, what, it's fi- The five-star one is the one I'm using. I can't remember the name okay. of the product.
0: Yeah. I, I've, I've used that one, too. Um, you know, a couple of drops, and uh, you don't get boil overs ever. You could get right to the rim and it won't boil
1: right my driveway and patio thank me for this they do <laughs> i my
0: driveway's got a lot of sticky on it um you want to do michael parsons yeah
1: michael parsons he says insulated chamber with heat and cool controller had uh, had to use two mini fridges i call uh, i called frank frank and frig <laughs> <laughs> or fridge uh oh holy smokes that's a cool picture yeah this, so- whole, this it is a Franken fridge
0: so what this is is a, a an OSB wood box for a fermentation chamber, and on each end he has two fridge mini fridges on each end for the refrigeration. It could totally, I, I can see this totally working though. In the fact that like um, one of the struggles I have with mine because I have a mini fridge with a box on the front of it is that it, when it's really hot in the summer, for me to cold crash takes a lot longer and probably uses a little more energy than I should. Um, it's not super efficient at getting down to, like, that 35 degrees that I want to get down to for a cold crash. And so, you know, having that second fridge is going to help you get that down fast if you want to do it quickly.
1: Yeah, I'm curious if he's got fans running inside of that or, or kind of how the real, you know, what it looks like on the inside. Yeah. I like the idea, though.
0: I, I think he would totally have fans in We'd there. he need something to circulate. Yeah, circulate the air. The other thing is is that he has to have a temp control for both fridges, right?
1: Oh, interesting. Well, uh.
0: Yeah, something's got to turn them both on, right?
1: You can really use one controller for two fridges. That'd yeah, a... you would just
0: have to have a controller that had two plugs that ran into the same. Just
1: run to a power strip.
0: <laughs> oh yeah, there we go. Right? Oh, I think even thought you, of that. I think you just already figured that out. It turns on the whole power strip. I yeah. like this. See, I, the, I'm obviously sometimes uh, not that smart. Uh, <laughs> uh, let's see. We have, uh, um, I'm gonna I'm gonna totally butcher this name, but I'm gonna say it's a uh, Sage Harden. Harden Anthony, the fourth, um, his dirt DIY fermentation chamber, he puts a ball lock connector on the end of his auto siphon to transfer to kegs. Um, most recently I made a removable whirlpool arm that you lift out of the kettle and put into the fermenter for easy and quick transfers to the fermenter, which is, uh, that's kind of cool. Like, you know, you trying to get oxygen into your beer as you're trying right, right before you uh, pitch. Right. Right. Um. So you get a good, healthy uh, start on the yeast. And so one thing that he's kind of done here is he's got the ball lock on the auto siphon that that siphons out, right. So it's got a good connection, pumps over to this like uh, sparging arm, or and, and basically is like sprinkling it into the uh, into his fermenter so that it's got lots of oxygen. Good oxidation. Exactly. I like
1: it, and especially if you can do that in a sanitized, you know, closed environment, that's that's fantastic. Exactly. Usually, I'm just the uh, I just dump mine.
0: <laughs> yeah, me too. Uh, the mine, I actually, um, I have a, a hose that comes off and just fills up my, firmware. do a transfer. Yeah. Just do a transfer right, off look, the, off the ball valve off the front.
1: So it looks like our next one is from Jim Fisher, uh, using a paint stirrer and drill to get, uh, plate chiller performance for my immersion chiller. And I've heard of this hack before a couple of years back. I've never done it. I do have one of those, uh, paint stirrers or mine might be for concrete for like a half inch drill. course mine still has concrete on it so i don't think i'm gonna be trying this out anytime soon (laughs) but i i like the idea just because that is i always feel like that's the one pain of, of chilling with an immersion chiller is sitting there and stirring or you know bobbing it up and down the whole time whereas if you could just get your drill out and just run that thing, you're going to probably get a heck of a lot more efficiency.
0: Absolutely. Out of a
1: drill than your arm.
0: Well, that, and also you're getting more contact with that cool, um, area of the fermentation of the, of the immersion chiller and you're doing it constantly. Right. Right.
1: At a a rate your arm's never going to work. at.
0: Exactly. Um, to be honest, I have, uh, the, the Hydra immersion chiller. It cools really fast. But you still have to stir the whole time. Mm-hmm. If you're not stirring, you get hot spots no matter what you're doing, and no matter how efficient your uh, immersion chiller is, it's you, you're still going to have it's a column of heat that right. needs to be dissipated.
1: And you're still probably looking at what eight, twelve minutes of exactly. cool time. Sure.
0: Exactly, uh, Denny Kahn from uh, Experimental Brewing. Uh, he 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 actually uh, jumped into our conversation we were having on Facebook. Uh, Thanks, Denny. Um, He has actually two really great uh, hacks. One that I actually do, which is always brew sober. I think this is one of those hacks that are out there that uh, when when we first start brewing and when I first started brewing, it was a great time to have a few beers and, and I would, you know, get drunk and I would always screw up my batch. Um, I and, can't
1: tell you how many batches early on I screwed up because I was not paying attention because I had already opened beers. Now, my rule of thumb now is if I'm boiling, then I can crack a beer
0: exactly, and even then, I usually only have one yeah. to, a one to two beer max with any batch that I make. Uh, I just you know there's something to be said about enjoying a beer, but the idea is you still want to be sober when you're actually going through your process. The other piece is safety you're doing you're dealing with boiling hot liquid. Um, you've propane, got propane fire. fire there's all kinds of stuff that could go wrong and if you're drunk I mean come on guys it's just that it's at least my thought process the other thing he said that I, I love is try things for yourself before you believe them you know I have a podcast there's lots of podcasts out there there's tons of blogs out there there's tons of information on forums but the fact is is that he's kind of right here in the fact that like I think that as brewers we get very dogmatic and the fact is is that you know you, you don't know that answer until you actually do it for yourself and you can taste test it for yourself and taste it for yourself if you feel that that may, helps make you make better beer go right ahead nobody's knocking anything that you believe but the fact is is that it, i think one of the best pieces of advice you could get out there is to try it for yourself before you believe it
1: absolutely no it's and that's really the only way you're going to get good experiences and have knowledge to have the conversations Exactly is is put yourself out there and try the things that you've been told do or do not work. Exactly, and understand why. All right, so our next one comes from Tim Vandergrift. Uh, it says TPS analysis of each brewing system I use. Uh, once you do a time motion study on your workflow, you can eliminate each bottleneck in turn and eliminate waste. That's how I can uh, homebrew six batches in one eight-hour day from uh, crush to pitching and all clean up. Which I would say that is. Insanely impressive. If, if anybody that's knocking out six batches,
0: it's super in one impressive.
1: Day, I'll tell you, it, t- it takes me months to get six batches under my belt.
0: Yeah, and I, I could have some questions about that, right? Yeah, you're doing six batches. How many of them are boiling at the same time? Like, do you have right? How
1: many burners do you have? Yeah, how much?
0: many burners do you have going on? There there could be some things, but the key is is that um, I think what Tim's talking about is he's taken an analysis of every step in his brewing process and made it as efficient as he possibly can. To create, um, to create efficiencies that make it so that you could actually brew multiple batches in that amount of
1: time. Sure, and I'd be even curious if he's still even using like chilling water from uh, one batch to, to to for water that's going getting hotter to come into like the next batch. I know the big guys do that. Yeah, that could. Definitely, you know what I'm saying? Like yeah. their efficiencies, he's, he's eked out like that. I'd be so much. I'd be very curious to know a lot more about about what this process actually looks like for well, him
0: and because he's doing TPS reports, we all know that his uh his boss at the office space is not is very happy with him.
1: The first time I read <laughs> that I, I had to relook at it about three times. I was like, <laughs> Are we really talking about TPS reports <laughs> <laughs>
0: So true. Um truck run. Re- I'm gonna totally tor- tor- torture your name Chuck, I'm sorry. Uh Rene uh I use a small six-pack igloo cooler as a sidecar for mashes. If I'm doing a second runnings, I will run off the first, and then whatever I was going to add to the second runnings is already mashed and ready to sparge. I simply add it to the previous mash and then begin sparging. Also works great for a cambro for pulled pork. So so, uh, basically, he's got this uh, six pack igloo cooler so we're talking real small uh, six pack igloo coolers yeah, like
1: I've, yeah i've got one of those it's yeah six cans of beer that's about all the fit
0: yeah exactly and, and so if he's doing the second runnings um he's and he'll run off the first of whatever and he was going to add the second runnings to an already mash so he's actually adding his second runnings from that from that small cooler into something he's already got mashed so he's doing multiple batches
1: ah okay
0: and then um he's and then he's he, he's mashing already ready to sparge so I, that makes a lot of sense. Um, and then, uh, the, the, which could help with, you know, some better efficiency from those second runnings as well. Sure. right.
1: Cool. I think we skipped one there, it was uh, Stan Wyatt. Oh, Use sanitized marbles to sink dry hops and adjuncts in bags, which I actually have to say, based on a conversation from last night, uh, a guy in our club told us that he used weights, lead weights to sink his dry hops and he had them in there for a couple of days and it wasn't until somebody said, well, how'd you sink your hops? Hey, how'd you get the, the fresh hops it sunk? And he goes, well, I just use fish in weights. <laughs> <laughs> and of course he says, you know what, those are made of lead? <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah, it was too good not to share. Yeah. Well, and... and <laughs> I like the marble idea. Yeah,
0: though. marbles are glass. Uh, I think they're going to be okay. Um, but yeah, it, it, it's kind of one of those things where it's like um, beer is food. Um, and we have to think of things in, in a in a sanitary sure, environment a of like manner. food. Yeah, totally. So yes, um, let's not use lead weights <laughs> to weigh anything down, but glass, totally fine, right? That's a uh, food safe. That's right. Exactly. Um, we've got Blake Wood drop a chunk of dry ice in the fermenter to purge and the headspace of oxygen. If you need to open it after the active fermentation is completed. So, um, what he's talking about here is. Uh, Let's say you want to get reduce your oxygen in your fermenter. Um, he's talking about just take a piece of, uh, of dry ice and let it boil um, in some water to get rid of the, the headspace out of there. Um, dry ice is also a good way to cool and carbonate a sample beer in a few minutes just so that you can calibrate uh, how much of a tincture to add to a bottle to get the flavor that you want. Um, this is hard to gauge when the beer is warm and uncarbonated. That's a really great idea. That's a super great tip. Yeah, it's a great idea. Um, You know, one of the things is that um, when you add carbonation, you add carbonic acid, carbonic acid. And so it does change the flavor of your beer. When you taste a flat beer, it is a very different flavor than a carbonated beer. We all know it. It, Sure. Right? And so to be able to just have a little piece of dry ice and drop it in there, dry ice is very cheap. And uh, you could, you know, get a quick little carbonation of it. It's, It's not a bad idea.
1: Alright, looks like our next one is from Todd Gamble. It says if kegging it always tastes better three to four weeks after being kegged, which I certainly agree with.
0: I, I think that when it comes to kegging
1: it, I guess the style of beer would be dictated. But yeah, generally the, speaking generally, generally speaking, it's if you know I can't say I'm I can't say I practice any of this. I usually force carb everything and and I'm lucky if, you know, a five gallon keg will last. Five weeks in my house,
0: totally. But but the other piece is that it depends on uh, certain style of beers need some age, right? Yeah, sure. Um, so for me, if if you've got a you know really multi style, a little age on it's going to help it a lot. But like an IPA, an IPA specifically these really juicy IPAs, they're so much better when they're fresh, and the oh, fresher you can have them, sure. the better. Um, and uh, you know specifically if you're doing New England IPAs, they're so touchy with oxygen that uh specifically on the cold side that uh you know not drinking them as fast as possible could uh you know uh, lose some of the hop character
1: absolutely yeah absolutely uh
0: steven boy Boyajan, um don't get drunk while brewing that's another one so we got two of those um you want to go do sure. michael burles
1: was it is it i believe it's mickle michael 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 oh, that's a, okay Uh, Burrows a sink in my garage cut almost an hour so kind of like we talked about before staying clean
0: yep staying clean but also having
1: in proximity to you
0: in proximity to you right now I don't have a sink in my garage I have to Lug my kettle into my shower. I actually lug it into my shower. I have a shower that has a spray handle on it. And that's where I actually go and scrub my keg. It's a pain in the butt. And I have to, like, in my old house, not my new house, my old house, I had to lug it all the way downstairs to get to that shower with the spray nozzle. So it was uh, was a big pain in the butt. Um, Jack Kenny as I enter my 70s, I've re-embraced, re-embraced the notion of extract brewing as a good option for a quick turnaround and min- minimal physical, physical impact to my tender body. You know, um, we have some guys in the club, um, and actually, they're some of the older guys in our club, and they still do extract batches, and they do a good job.
1: Extracts and partials, there's still yeah, a handful yeah. of guys in the club that are still doing those, and I'll tell you... I've even seen them improve on those beers. Yes. You know, and it's just just through other kind of tactics. But yeah, you can still you can make fantastic beers doing partials and and extracts.
0: Yeah, and and the the cool thing about extract brewing is it is quick and easy. Um is specifically, you know, if if you if, you know, you do have some sort of physical limitation, um not having to lug around 5 gallons of liquid or um sparge water and and, and lifting heavy things, one of the cool things with uh, with extract is you don't actually have to boil all five gallons at once. You can boil three gallons, move it into your fermenter, and add more water to it later to get it to the right gravity.
1: Sure. That's how I, when I first started doing extract batches 20 years ago, that's how we would do it. And that's how you chilled it fast, was yeah, just you adding, ch- adding your tap
0: water. Adding colder water.
1: Yeah. And and
0: that is uh, also less lifting and those kinds of things as well.
1: Uh, let's see next one is john murphy star sand in a spray bottle uh, is a must i feel super easy to just spray it over everything i haven't tried this one yet but i've had a friend say having sections of gutters uh filled with sanitizer for the longer tubing of your siphon hose is handy
0: it's not a bad idea
1: oh i yeah i the star sand bottle comes with me yeah. It's, it's used all the time.
0: Yeah, the Star Sand bottle is something. I have multiple of them. Um, it, pretty much every brew area that I have in my house. Like, for example, around my kegerator, um, upstairs near my fermenter, inside my garage where I brew. There's a different Star Sand in, a, in it. The thing with Star Sand in a spray bottle, I will give you as a note and, a, and an extra tip. Use distilled water. Don't use... Sure. Um, If you use tap water, the minerals in the water actually don't allow the star star sand to last more than a few days, maybe up to a week. If you use distilled water, it'll last forever. It doesn't go bad.
1: Interesting. And I'd also add to that just star sand spray bottle tips. Buy the nice spray bottle. Yes. Go ahead and spend $6 or $5 on the real nice spray bottle. You'll thank yourself. Because the cheapy ones, I don't know if it's the acid of the star sand or whatever it is. its they. They don't last forever, and the more expensive ones, whatever the difference is, the gaskets, I have no idea what's going out, but they will lose the ability to spray over time, I've experienced.
0: Yeah, what happens is that the expensive ones are actually rated for having chemicals in them. Sure. And I think it is that they're able to withstand the acidity of the Star Star StarSan is a pH-driven sanitizer, and so it is a very low pH. It's, you know, in well in... Sub I three. It, sub, uh, I think it's three-three, you have to throw it That's out, what it is. right, yeah. if it's above that. And so the idea is that it is a, is a very acidic uh, solution. And if you have a cheap spray bottle, it's going to start to degrade the plastic into a way that is uh, not a, a healthy for you probably. And then B, because um, you are consuming StarSan essentially. And, uh, and then B, um, it's, it's going to start to fall apart and lose functionality. Um, Tony Morell. I keep at least one large dog nearby to help clean up grain spills. And, and, uh, he's got a picture of his dog and, uh, you know, so we we love brew dogs on the show. (laughs) I'm a fan. And, uh, I will say this was on, uh, on our Instagram post and, um, he, he got a lot of love with this dog picture. Um, so
1: nice. All right. Our next one is from Robert Whiteman. I brew in the garage and filter my water. I cut my brewing time a lot once I started pulling water straight from the uh, hot water heater. Interesting tip. I would. I. I don't know if I would do this. Uh, that anode rod inside your hot water heater does get a little gross. And if you actually get into those purists, like coffee purists or cooking purists, you'll always tell them that they should tell you to use cold water. Yeah. Because it's not going through your hot water heater. That's why they always say that.
0: Yeah, I, I've actually heard the same thing um but on the other side of it is is the the issue for me is i use distilled water for all of my brewing and start there you profile and out. i build my my salt profile so i don't even have that option but you know if you're if you're looking for a a, a shortcut to uh help boil water as quickly as possible starting with hot water would help um that being said I have also heard that uh, you know you have mineral buildups in those. You don't know what the mineral profile profile is once it's been heated within that hot water heater, and so it could throw um, hard water into something that you aren't normally getting hard water from if you use cold.
1: Sure, but if it works for you,
0: it works for you. It works for you. Totally. That's,
1: it's, it's home brewing, and you're allowed to do whatever you want.
0: Exactly, and if you make good beer, that's, it don't matter in the end. That doesn't matter. Uh, Taylor Wayne Snow makes the best ice bath. Um, yeah, I've seen, I think every winter, um, yep. on the internet, you see, uh, people throwing, uh, their, their, uh, their kegs, their kettles right into the snow to kind of cool them down. Um, I have, I've heard a couple of things where, uh, that snow is also a good insulator. And so sometimes it can actually slow down your cooling. Um, if, if, if the snow is too light and fluffy and, and deep, um, it, it actually can be counter counterintuitive, but, if it's a real cold night and uh, real icy out and you just go throw it in uh, something that's not super you know, insulating, yeah, totally work. Um,
1: well, I used to do it back in the day in college when I started brewing. It was good memories.
0: Yep, exactly. I, I I have to admit, I think every guy in uh, that's brewed for years has done it.
1: Sure. Yep. All right, our next one is Stephen Quick. Overnight mash, boil in the morning with uh, two kids. This makes... Uh, it makes it so I'm not taking up a whole afternoon, which i've I used to do this years ago. I haven't done it in years, but I used to do it um, days when I would uh, have to I could go into work late and so i would I would mash the night before, boil in the morning and be done in less than two hours. so it's it's a good tip. I really yeah, and especially with kids, I get that yeah, you can't always just throw away an entire Saturday. Hanging out, brewing beer in the garage or on the back patio, but if it saves you time and it gets you, it gets you to brew your beer, that's a that's a fantastic tip.
0: We got Matthew James Schulte from Facebook. I bottle because it's a pain in the ass. I bottle 22 ounce or bigger bottles because who's gonna drink 12 ounce bottles? <laughs> I found a quart bottles with pop top. Bigger bottles means less bottling. Uh, yeah, I. He's 100% right. If you have bigger bottles, you do have to fill less bottles. Uh, that's actually what made me start kegging, because kegging is literally just like filling one bottle. It's the biggest bottle. It's the biggest <laughs> bottle, right? Um, but the idea is that, uh, yeah, it's a, it's a great shortcut. It, I would rather do 20, 22 ounce bottles than 50, 12-ounce bottles.
1: Sure. I think that's why most brewers have a giant collection of, of Balmers. Yep. And... You'll always see guys that want to get rid of their giant suitcases full of 12 ouncers exactly. Because you're not going to use them.
0: I only have a six pack of six of 12 ounces always around for homebrew competitions because those are always required to have 12 ounces.
1: Right, those will have 12 ounces, and that's true. That's
0: the only thing that goes into 12 ounce bottles. The, either me.
1: that, or you know, I will say barrel aged projects <laughs> like the the 14 percent beers. I could I could get by with just having a twelve ounce. Totally.
0: Totally. <laughs> well and to be honest, that's probably the right size if you're drinking it by yourself. Right. Um You wanna do Patrick?
1: Yeah, our next one is uh, Patrick Baxley. I collect super hot water coming out of my immersion chiller in a pot to do my cleaning with. So that's just another good use of, of keeping that warm water around, especially when you know, when it's first coming out, that water is hot blazing. Yep. Steaming. Yep. No, it's and that's a perfect in. Yeah, I could even see throwing some soap into a five-gallon bucket and fill that thing right up. and Exactly. You got your stuff to clean your pot with.
0: Exactly. Uh, Kim Element, um, adding ascorbic acid to my New England IPAs to thwart oxidation when bottling. Um, you know, that is one of the struggles with New England IPAs is that uh, you, you it's really, really difficult to um, do them without the cold side oxidation if you're bottling. Uh, sure. It's just that's specifically at a homebrew level, right? If you're, if you're doing uh, canning lines and bottling lines at a pro level have um, certain things that they can do to mitigate oxygen going into them. But at a homebrew level, it's nearly impossible. And there's a few different additives that you can get that can help, you know, kind of uh, eat the oxygen. Um, another way is obviously if you're bottling um, and if you listen to our most recent show where we were talking about low oxygen brewing, Yeast is actually a scavenger of oxygen. And so if you're using, um, if you're bottle conditioning your beers and there is some oxygen going in, the good news is that the yeast is using that oxygen to carbonate your beer. Right. So that, that but um, with New England IPA specifically, this is something people struggle with.
1: Interesting. All right, our next one is Alan Harrison. We do 25 gallon batches and use one of these with an immersion chiller to chill twice as fast. Uh, Sani real well before and after you use, and you'll never have a problem.
0: And what he's sent us a picture of is actually the ice ones you see at like a restaurant supply store. Um, we used to use these. I, I ran restaurants for a long time. We used to use these. Uh, they're, they're immersion chillers um, that are basically filled with uh, water. You throw them in the freezer. Oh, and I then, look
1: like an airlock to me. I yeah, these
0: <laughs> are large. These are like.
1: I, I get it now.
0: <laughs> yeah, they're big. Like uh, they're probably two or three feet long. They're like ice ores. Yes, exactly. And and basically, you throw them in the freezer. They come out. They're frozen. Um, I actually have a story where I've used those before. I have a friend that owns a restaurant in Utah. He now owns a brewery and a distillery, and uh, he was he had his first test system, and he invited me over to brew on his test system. It was a really fun day, but I had never used a plate chiller before, and okay. and I threw hops right into it. Didn't realize that uh, plate chillers clog, and I totally clogged his plate chiller. Yeah, it was a it was a good friend. I I actually did help him clean it out, but. Um, he was like, well, we got to chill this beer and he had these oars. So I just threw them right into my bucket of star sand and got them really sanitized and then used them to chill my wart right in my fermenter and actually no issues with, with, uh, with contamination. And it was actually one of the best Saisons I'd ever made. So, um, huh. kind of cool. They, that does work. Uh, Shannon Williams cling wrap over fermenter lid is a lot easier than sterilized airlock. Um, and she has a picture of her fermenter where she basically has clean rack with like a, like a rubber band around the top of it. Um, yeah, you know, there's a lot of people that do open fermentations and to be honest, the clean wrap over the top of this is you're still, you know, I, I think you'll still have some oxygen get in through it, but on the other side of it, um, it is going to, allow the oxygen to come out, you're not going to get that buildup. Well, you're
1: just, you're going to have a, it's a positive pressure environment. Exactly. It's only going to be pushing things out. Exactly. Until, until all that drops. Until
0: all that drops. But on the other hand of it is, is that uh, you're, you're, you know, open fermentations, I think aren't necessarily a bad thing. There's a lot of people that do them. Um, There's certain beer styles, I think actually do a lot better with open fermentations as well.
1: Sure. All right. Our next one is, Steve, this is Latzlev, I'm not sure, if I'm, I'm probably butchering that. Uh, bag of, a bag of CO2 during coal crash, New England IPA. As for more, more details if you don't get it. And the conversation kind of went on, uh, talking about dry ice. Uh, and he says, no, it says a CO2 bag uh, filled um, to the limit and air sucking in from the airlock by the vacuum created during cooling. From 20 degrees Celsius to about one degree Celsius. So
0: what he's talking about is very similar to the catheter.
1: Okay, yeah, it's it's just a, a way to to keep that all all that the the yeah, the gas that's been pushed out exactly in a safe place for it to be for it to be there when it when it draws it back
0: exactly. So what he's doing is filling up like a bag or a balloon right
1: oh okay and here we go we got the picture at the bottom
0: yeah and he's using a mylar balloon
1: i like the smiley face mylar balloon yeah in the fermentation fridge
0: (laughs) exactly and so what he's doing with that is filling that up with the co2 and then when he cold crashes it sucks the co2 back through the balloon uh al grave dairy pipe line cleaner from a farm supply store it's the same as other acid cleaner and only nine dollars a gallon and yes i said that a gallon (laughs) right Dairy Milk House products and equipment are way cheaper and better quality. Um, he also gave me a link to this, and I did click on the link to where it, it, his uh, dairy supply. And he was right; it's nine dollars a gallon, and it's a it's an acid cleaner. The cool thing about um, about uh, acid cleaners is these are great things to help with like beer stone in your kettle, um, those kinds of things.
1: Sure. No, I was I was blown away. I actually started researching this when I was when I was looking at these links. This is one of the ones that really popped out to me because I know, not that star sand, not that I go through tons of it. Uh, it's just more that I I always am using star sand. And it's not, it's for a cleaner, it's more expensive than a normal household cleaner. Yes. But no, I was my interest was perked with uh, with that tip.
0: Yep. Uh, you want to do Let's Josh? See,
1: yeah, Joshua Scortino uh, turned a sump pump into a wort chiller. So I'm assuming that he uh, he's recirculating. Yep. Uh, just probably through an immersion chiller. It would be my guess is what that is. But yeah, that's a it's a fantastic idea, especially if you have those problems we talked about earlier with warm groundwater. That that's a great tip just to uh, to get your your wort down to the the correct temperature.
0: Um, from Facebook, we have Warren Beerton built a 50 liter three stage brewery for under a hundred bucks. And then uh, it actually started a whole conversation. <laughs> um, and people were like, picks, it didn't happen. But basically what he did say was everything was recycled, um, made a copper heat exchanger for $3. Um, the frame for the brew was made from an old bed frame and uh, 50 liter kegs. He bought, um, he, 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 he'd bought like off of Craigslist um, burners and, uh, and bunnings were 15 bucks each. He got taps for 10 bucks um, and then redesigned it himself. No pumps, no water. Moved buckets and screens, um, and made a recycled stainless steel mesh. So he was just, you know, kind of pulling pieces of, together as he saw them, and kind of building a brewery. Um, people do this all the time. Uh, you know, for example, I was lucky. The kettle I use, I paid twenty five bucks for. I found it on Craigslist. Sure. Um, the, the, there are good deals out there. You just gotta, you know, be motivated and keep an eye out for them.
1: Right, just be watching for a long time. Exactly. That's usually what that means. All right, our next one is Ben Dempsey. Uh, This ghetto closed transfer fermenter to a purged keg. And so what he's got is it looks like it's fermenter, and he's got just um, a closed system going to the the ball lock uh, attachments there and he just fills his cake straight off the fermenter there.
0: Yeah, and the the displaced gas is actually what's pushing it back into the other one, right?
1: Oh, I see. Oh, that's cool.
0: Yeah, so what he what he does is uh he goes straight from the spigot like if you had uh, the the plastic spigot on the bottom of the fermenter. Right. He has a tube going there into the liquid post on the gas post. It actually then goes to the top which he has a ball lock on top of his where his airlock would be. And then that's actually taking the pressure out of the keg and putting it back into the fermenter, and then pushing it back down into the keg. Kind of cool. Um, ben Dempsey also said overbuilding uh, yeast starters to keep some for next time. Up to generation six and ten brews off of one pack of yeast so far. Um, I've done that through different times in my uh, brewing life. Um, you know, it. I I've totally done the like yeast starter thing. For me now. Time is kind of an issue, and so uh, you know, I have to say my favorite yeast is USO five because it, it can be—it's convenient,
1: and <laughs> it's cheap and dry,
0: <laughs> cheap and dry. And if I have a, a a spontaneous brew day, I have yeast.
1: Sure, I always keep dry yeast on hand. I, I do like this, this uh, you know, I've got two stir plates at home. This is something after my own heart, just because I am so incredibly cheap. <laughs> <laughs> but it's also one of those things when I get into a yeast, I I wanted I want to do just more than one beer with it. I want to do, I want to do a few different styles to really find out which one, you know, is it working best with? And that'll give you that option. All right. Our next guy is Arthur. Uh, He says, no boil, no chill and Quebec East. You know,
0: uh, the, the that seems to
1: be all the rage these days when people are talking about, I haven't got on that train yet. Yeah. The
0: Kvike is, well, the thing about Kvike is uh, um, you can turn a beer around in four days and uh that's nuts it's pretty nuts, and you could do like a ten sixty beer in four days, so it, the idea is that uh it' just is a monster when it comes to the speed and the rate at which it actually attenuates um i have actually never done a no boil or no chill beer um you know'd love to hear anybody else's uh experience with that I've I, done no
1: chill before, yeah, and I just throw it in the the ferment you know the fermentation fridge and wait and pit to pitch the next day. And that was just, just to see if it made a difference. And honestly, I didn't even notice that big of a difference.
0: Awesome. Ronnie Ramsey, an extract brewer. I found that replacing a portion of the extract, usually a pound or less with honey will drop the final gravity down to the all grain final gravity levels. Also adding only one third to one half of the extract at the beginning of the boil will lighten up the color of your brew. I think these are really great tips.
1: That's good tips for beginners because yeah. I, I can recall doing extract batches and being like, "Why is every batch brown?" <laughs> uh, yeah, totally. <laughs> like, how do you make those light-colored beers? <laughs> exactly,
0: and and it kind of makes sense, right? You're not just sitting there boiling it, boiling it, boiling caramelizing, it, right? caramelizing, caramelizing it,
1: crushing those sugars. Like. Yeah,
0: and then on the other side of it, the adding honey. Um, so you know, if you add dextrose or honey, it. Is like pure sugar, and it's, it's always ferment, it's all always the all the way ferment, right? And so what he's kind of doing is, and I've totally experienced this where when I was doing all extract batches, you know, yeah, I would always say my target gravity would be like a, a ten ten, and I would always get to like ten twelve or ten fourteen, it, and it would always kind of stall out there. Sure, they 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 just the the extract isn't as fermentable as like uh, the converted grain sugar. Obviously, it's still sugars, but it's just not as fermentable um and so the cool thing is he's he's kind of saying hey let's just dry it out a little bit more and he's not adding a lot more honey he's just adding enough to kind of get it down those couple extra points so really I, I think those are great tips for beginners
1: it looks like our next one is john smythe a small pond pump and pvc pipe for keg and carboy washing which i've seen tons of those diys
0: have one in my garage yeah <laughs> And it of those. Yeah. Works great. Um, it, uh, it really does. Um, one thing is that, uh, mine does that I will actually add is to kind of help hack that even a little more is, uh, take a, a T like when, you when you're building out your, uh, your copper piping, um, take a, like a little, uh, one piece that's like a T Right, mm-hmm. and then take this, uh, and then take a piece of hose and attach that to it, and then have it attached to your ball lock on your dip tube, and then it'll go. You have the tube going up the top of your into your keg into your carboy, but then you actually actually have the the split splitter on it running the solution right through your dip tube.
1: Oh, that's that's a good tip.
0: Yep. So that's how mine's set up, and you know, I my my dip tube is very clean. <laughs> uh, Adam Drew Drewick. I do not chill and clean as I go. I do no chill and clean as I go. Let me reread that. Have an all-grain brew day done in under five hours. I don't think it's uncommon, but I'm happy with it. My wife also got me a 300,000 BTU burner, and it helps a lot. I don't have. I don't know the brand. I just showed up with it. She just showed up with it one day. I actually have a 300,000 BTU burner as well, and it's got like a gazillion jets on it. Yeah. And I can boil so fast. And to be honest, half of your brew day is waiting, right? You're waiting for water to get to strike temperature. You're waiting for water to get to boiling temperature. Right. That's and true. so, hey, you know, if you're just throwing more energy at it, it's going to help that be quicker. Uh, the one drawback to that, you do go through more propane. Sure. So uh, I, I go through uh, half a tank of propane in one brew day. Holy smokes. So uh, you do, you see a noticeable difference in the amount of propane you use. Sure.
1: All right, our next one is uh, David. David says, a big cooler on wheels that holds 15 gallons of star sand water for use throughout the brew day. Everything stays in that water until ready for actual use. Godsend. That's a lot of star sand. That's a lot of star <laughs> sand. That's a lot of sandy water. But, you know, if that's what keeps your stuff clean and that's what makes your brew day go successful, that's fantastic.
0: Yeah. Um, you know, I'm, I'm a five-gallon bucket of star sand on brew day um, it, just for – to like have things soak in but on the other side of it is is the spray bottle
1: no the spray bottle the spray bottle saves the the insane waste of star sand exactly that i used to do before i you know it dawned on me to get a spray bottle
0: exactly uh scott broilis poor man's glycol chiller using an aquarium chiller and then so he's got a conical fermenter an ss a really nice ss uh conical fermenter and basically what he's got here is uh uh, a tec um, he's he's basically got an aquarium chiller that he has submerged in a cooler with uh with glycol and then he's pumping the um, glycol around his uh fermenter and then that's actually how he's keeping his fermenter cold so that's,
1: that's a heck of a, uh, a tip there it is
0: um he's using the it's on amazon it's the ice probe Therm- th- thermoelectric aquarium chiller it's a four inch um, it, it you know, the, the, you should uh you know go on to Amazon and and do a search for that if you want to check it out.
1: All right, our next one is Steve Zatzlev. It says uh, that that was the same one. Oh, it's the same. Yeah. Oh, I see. Oh, okay, got it, got it, got it. Uh, let's see, Emil Wilmar. It says overnight mashing works pretty well. We we talked about this one, and just I you don't know, having time to free up in your day doing that overnight mash.
0: You know, overnight mashing. Um, I've never tried it. I should try it. I, I it's probably one of those give me an extra.
1: Stay up like an extra. You know, get it, get it, get your water going like before you put the kids to bed. Mash in, put the kids to bed. Just go to bed. Wake up early a little bit early that day. You can you can knock out a brew in in kind of your spare time.
0: I. I'd need to do that. That would probably get me an extra brew day or two or something. Uh, Jim Reynolds, I built a ten gallon brew rig with scraps on Craigslist finds for about two hundred fifty bucks total. And he has a picture of it, and this is a pretty sweet setup. He's got he's got a tower where he's he's a three vessel system he's got two kegels with a with a with a cooler in the middle for his mash ton and um, it's all on a stand with propane um, with uh, the gas fired burner up on the top one and a gas fired burner for his uh, for his kettle it's it's a really sweet setup and to do this for 250 bucks is a steal right that that's really uh, what he's done Um, I want to I'm gonna let you read this one.
1: Uh, the Mar- Marshall, uh, uh, Schultz...
0: Mar- Marshall shot.
1: Shot. Okay. Buying Miller Lite. Yeah. So I Mar- don't know about this.
0: So Marshall shot shots the brewlo- uh, from brulosophy. Brew- oh. And uh, he's he's saying his easiest hack is to just go buy beer. Of course it is. <laughs> Thanks, Marshall. Yeah, it is truly the easiest way to get past making beer is just go buy some. Uh, <laughs> uh, Christopher Lutman, a homemade. Fermenter chiller using a small refrigerator, temperature controller, pump, and copper tube. And so what he's uh, he's he's basically doing is he's pumping um, refrigerated water um, into his uh, into his uh, his conical.
1: Oh, I see what he's got going now. And so
0: it's kind of wrapped, and then that way he can keep his temperature control, but he doesn't have to like keep it in a fridge. Right right he's keeping the water chilled in the fridge and then he's pumping that chilled water around his conical fermenter so um very very uh you know same idea could be done with like glycol right Right. because glycol unlike water will hold the temperature longer and better and it doesn't freeze you can get down to sub freezing temperatures and it won't freeze
1: sure it's it's a fairly viscous
0: exactly it's very thick
1: yeah it's super thick Uh, Looks like our next one is Randy Knapp. It says, gas ball lock post on my SS Brutech uh, Brutech did foreclosed CO2 transfers and a blow-off tube not so sure i totally understand uh,
0: that's actually what i've done to mine except for mine's plastic mine's a plastic lid but basically instead of having an airlock he's put a, a ball lock oh just a ball lock. yeah okay and so what he does is that instead of uh he, he does a blow off tube where he just takes the gas post puts it on top with a hose going into a, a, oh, a bucket a, into a bucket of water right sure. of, of sanitizer um also then when you go to do the closed transfer just like we saw earlier in one of our hacks where he's going from the bottom of the bucket into the, he, he can transfer back into the top of the bucket. Right. Yep. Uh, Paul Pope, brewing a slightly larger starter to have fresh, clean yeast next time. Uh, definitely a hack that uh, we, we hear often. Um, you want to do... Yeah, uh,
1: Joe, Joe DeLong, It says, grain bread, which I've done that a few times. Yeah. Um, a while back and just yeah making some bread out of your spent grain yes yeah. you do have to cut it with quite a bit of flour yeah
0: <laughs> I I've, other ideas when it comes to cooking with with your spent grain or dog treats sure I've, I've seen, seen, those. seen the dog treats um, I've seen people um, make cookies out of them
1: sure oh. I, I I during the summer or warmer months uh, my neighbors that have uh, chickens oh they get as long as they're cooled off yep I can just go throw them all over their, uh, their backyard, and the chickens will just decimate them.
0: Yep. Chi- chickens eat anything. Yeah. We had this conversation last night as well about chickens eating anything. Um, ben Dempsey, fill a keg with sanitizer. Then use CO2 cylinder to transfer to another keg through the beer lines. Um, and then you get a good – let me get you a good photo, and this will help. Um, But uh, you get a perfectly purged keg and the sanitizer that can be reused for months. And so the idea is that he's transferring through his kegging like through his actual tap, back into another keg. And so the idea is that then you're you're purging as you're emptying a keg of sanitizer, you're filling another keg with sanitizer. Essentially, that's a good idea. Um, One added trick I'll give you to this to kind of make this whole thing easier: Um, if you use inner taps, which I have. Um, they actually have a ball lock connector for a tap um, a- add-on. So you can actually have your faucet turn into a ball lock connector. And that's actually one of the ways I use for closed transfers is that uh, I can, it, let's say I have a beer that's uh, lagering in a keg and still sitting on the yeast. I could then take it off of that keg and go into another keg with a ball lock straight off of the, oh, right off cool. the faucet. Um, that part is $8. So highly recommend looking at one of those. If you're if you if, if you're looking at closed transfer systems in, a, in an easy way to do so, um, that little adapter on your faucets is a really cool add-on.
1: Looks like our next guy is Phil Addison. He says, brewing on the driveway because Swimbo said that I couldn't use the stove as the smell of hops and the boil makes her sick. Uh, used it as an excuse to upsize the brewing operation. I can't say that I'm, I'm as guilty on every one of these as Phil. <laughs> Yeah, I, I got kicked out to the garage, and then, yeah, here I am now later building an entire brewery in the basement. But, yeah, I, I can definitely say when I rented uh, houses and apartments all through my 20s, I, I, I've ruined more than one range in my day <laughs> with, with caramelized wort. Exactly.
0: Eric Hayden, um, my hack is to ask myself what do I enjoy most about brewing? and then find ways to do more of that and less of the not so fun stuff. Um I I think that that is kind of true in the fact of asking yourself what is it you truly enjoy about brewing? Uh, I think that could also be like what styles of beer do you love to make? Uh what kind of things like that. But I would say is a is a is a is a I would also say to that um if you really hate cleaning, brewing's probably not for you. <laughs> no, I would agree. So Um, you want to do Bob Savage?
1: Bob Savage says, anybody use the vanilla beans from Costco? And I'd have to say, I, I only go to the super hippie, uh, spice store in old town, Arbata for, for my spices when I need them for brewing, which has only been, I don't know, three times ever. Yeah. But, uh, no, I never use the, uh, Costco ones, but I'm a, I'm a giant fan of Costco myself. So I can imagine they're decent.
0: Yeah. I've, I've used the vanilla beans from Costco and and they work great. Um, and then uh, I think that's actually I think that
1: is all the tips that is just, all of the yeah. hacks.
0: So, man, so many. We we got a that ton. was a lot. That's a lot. Uh, I, first of all, I want to thank everybody who emailed their submissions. Uh, you know, interacted with us on Facebook to kind of give us these submissions. Um, I want to thank all of the listeners out there who really, um, you know told us the things that uh they do to make their brew day easier there's some really great hacks here um that there are hacks in here that i've never even thought of and then you're like whoa yeah cool i could totally do that and there's actually hacks here that i've you know like i said i brewed the other day and i used a spray bottle to spray down my uh my hot break don't i know that seems like a simple hack to to you evan but for some reason, it hadn't occurred to me. Right. right?
1: No, it's and it's just being exposed to those things, and that's I think that's my favorite, one of my favorite things about homebrewing itself is there's a million and one ways to still make beer, yeah. And then there's a million and one ways to improve on at making your beer, and it, it's 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 the it's the endeavor you exactly.
0: Know? Well, let's let's uh, let's figure out what we think are the best ones. All right. Um, uh, why don't you um, give one that you thought was your favorite?
1: Okay. I'm actually uh, one of the ones I'm going to I'm going to say is my favorite is is the uh, that immersion blender in the hop spider. I've I've got to do this now because we have an immersion blender in my house and I'm not sure it's been used in years. Yeah. <laughs> and this could be the new use for it. Um,
0: I, I think that's a great one. I also agree with you. That one was one that like the first time I read it, it kind of blew my mind and I was like, whoa, this is a really, really cool one. Um, and something I've never thought about, but when I get my whole cone hops or I get some from you, or I get some from across the street, cause we're, we're all growing hops. And, uh, when I, when I get those whole cones in, in next fall, we're totally doing this. Yes. Totally I agree. doing this. Or next
1: um, time we've, we have a brew day out at Voss farms for the club.
0: Awesome, and we're, if I we're doing it, and if I had a really cool soundboard or anything like that for this show, we would go ding, 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 you get a sticker. <laughs> so, uh, we'll say um, our our buddy here, um, he, he he's gonna get one. Sub Mikey seventy seven is his uh, Instagram name. So, Mike, you are getting a sticker. Um, what's another one you liked?
1: Uh, I also really am a big fan of of the the paint stirrer from Jim Fisher using that to get uh, plate chiller performance from his immersion chiller, just using his drill and the paint stirrer you pick up from the hardware store.
0: I, I think that was one I liked a lot um, as well. Uh, just, you know, getting not just stirring it, but really vir- vigorously stirring sure. it. Sure. It's,
1: right? uh, it's something I'm going to look into getting because I know you can get those paint stirrers awesome. for pretty cheap.
0: Yep. So um, we're going to say Jim Fisher. Ding, ding, ding. Ding, ding, ding. You You are a winner. You're winning a sticker. Um, One of my favorites was the dairy pipe cleaner, right? Uh, Like looking at those acid cleaners for dairy and seeing if they could be used for homebrew. I'm not going to say that, uh, you know, I know anything about those chemicals. And I'm not going to (laughs) say I know that uh, hey they're food safe or anything like that. But... Is this something I'm going to research and try to figure out? Yes. Absolutely. I'm going to look into it and see if there's something, if this can be used. Um, But the thing is, dairy pipe acid cleaner obviously is food safe because they use it in milk production. Sure. So uh, that is one thing I will say. Um, But obviously, as with anything with chemicals... Make sure that you do your homework before you go using chemicals you don't know.
1: Right, know how they work. You know know if how you they need work. To rinse them. Know, <laughs> yep,
0: know exactly what they they do. Um, you know, read the material safety data sheets. The MSDS, baby. <laughs> um, so I, I really like that one. Did do you think, put that one in your top? Five? Oh, it's
1: da- yeah, it's it's in my top five.
0: Awesome. So Al Grave, ding ding ding, you are getting a homebrewing DIY sticker. Um, two
1: more. Let's. I really like Ben Dempsey's uh just tip on overbuilding yeast starters and just to get more generations of yeast use out of uh you know just out of that pack you buy cuz you, you buy those you know the Smack packs or or the vials or whatever the whatever the uh White Labs ones are called I can't remember the fresh packs. Yeah. Know. But yeah, you spend 8 bucks on a, a pack of yeast. But we all have grain, we all have probably malt extracts sitting around, you can grow that up and you can make a lot more yeast.
0: Exactly. Um, I, I kind of agree with that one. I think that uh, specifically, um, you know, just adding it from the starter and not trying, you know, people harvest yeast from their batches from the yeast cakes as well. That's another great way to right. reuse yeast. But I, I think that building it from the starter is better in my mind because um, the yeast is cleaner.
1: Sure, it's isolated. Right. It hasn't been exposed. It hasn't been abused. Yes. and grown up in a new culture and exactly and, and gone through the yeah the abuse of, of brewing a batch. As opposed, and it's still fresh. It's yeah, and it's, especially if you're if you're staying within those good tolerances of how to grow up yeast correctly and using the correct gravities, unstressed yeast is always going to taste better. So
0: Ben Dempsey, ding ding ding, you are going to win.
1: A sticker. A sticker.
0: Um, I would say my favorite for the last one is uh, Ronnie Ramsey's, the extract brewer, and him finding that he replaced the extract with uh, a little bit of honey and then um, also taking a little bit out at the beginning of the boil to lighten up the color. I I think this is a really great tip for beginners um, when when you're really – let's say – I'm in a situation where I'm in an apartment and I want to brew beer and I don't have the uh, the resources to um, get set up into doing an all grain batch, right? Um, and so I'm, you know, maybe I'm stuck doing. Uh, I don't. I, I don't have a good brew store near me and sure and so i can only get uh, uh the the extract there there could be many reasons or just the convenience of extract brewing in general right but the idea is that uh if you're looking for some ways to kind of up your extract game i think this is a really great tip and uh and something that i think that uh, he deserves a sticker over
1: if i was doing extract brewing i would definitely try this yeah me too i don't think i've done a batch of that in a while but I actually it's a good tip.
0: I will say I did an extract batch this year. You
1: did, and I cracked up when you did it because <laughs> you were like, "I was done." How fast were you? I, doing I right? actually
0: did a uh, extract batch in 15 minutes. <laughs> I did a 15 minute boil. Um, I, it, it was called uh, Coulter's uh, um, uh, Expletive um, IPA, and basically, um, I did a um, I did a 15 minute boil with uh, extract. Um, and it was just a three gallon batch to see if it worked. And then I actually did 2.5 times the hops I would normally do in it to get it a, to be a hoppy, like West coast style IPA. And I brought it to homebrew club and it was actually not a bad beer. It was not
1: a bad beer. I would, I, yeah, laughed the whole time. Cause I was like, you can't make a beer in 15 minutes.
0: And, uh, we did it and it tasted just fine.
1: It did. It super hoppy.
0: Yeah. It was hoppy and, and it tasted like a West coast IPA. Yep. Yep. So, uh, Hey Evan, I w- thank you so much for uh, joining me today in the studio.
1: Absolutely. So this is this is the last episode of 2019. Yeah. So uh, so you got a whole new year coming. I do. I of, do. Of homebrewing DIY in, in 2020. It's like the future.
0: It is like the future, <laughs> and th- this is the the last episode of 2019, and I think 2020 we're going to do some some really great stuff uh, when it comes to brewing beer. I'm gonna definitely do some things I've never done before because I think that that's part of the the the, the change of uh, brewing and your brewing life cycle. Um, you have anything in 2020? You're gonna you, oh, you've got I planned? need
1: to, I need to finish an electric brewery, but I'm just a distracted guy. I, I hopefully it happens in the next few months. So but.
0: I will say that my goal for 2020 is also to go electric. Um, I I think one of my goals is to actually uh, get a craft beer pie set up. Um, get a and and I want to do just a single vessel brew in a bag electric setup um, that I can do five gallon batches in I, like that is a goal that's an attainable goal totally and I want to do so without having to buy a grandfather. I want to build it myself right right not that I but if uh, anybody wants to send me their grandfather, I will <laughs> totally take it, it. sure, <laughs> sure. Um, well once again Evan thank you so much for being on the show. Absolutely. Um, appreciate it. I'm, I'm excited. We'll definitely obviously have you back many, many times in the next year, I'm sure. Um, but uh, thank you so much for being on the show today and going through all these uh, hacks with me. And uh, have a great 2020, man.
1: Likewise. Thanks for having me. And, yeah, it's been fun.
0: I want to thank evan for joining me and going through all of the hacks today it was really great also i want to thank everybody who's been a listener this year it's been a really great 2019 and starting this podcast well that's it this week follow us on instagram facebook or twitter just look for us at homebrewing diy we'll see you next week in 2020 on homebrewing diy